Hello, everyone, and welcome to the My Entertainment World podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Bedard, as always, and today we are following up our MLB season preview roundtable that we did at the beginning of baseball season with a new preview because we are coming up on football season. So we've assembled a totally new roundtable of guests for you for this episode that you're going to be here. They're, they're going to introduce themselves, but I'm going to do a little bit of a preamble here. We have a couple, they're all artists, just like the baseball roundtable, but they're totally new people. So we have David Michael Moot, who's a singer and actor from Toronto, as well as Melissa McVeigh, who is an actress from Boston uh, who grew up in Seattle. So she's going to talk a lot about the Seahawks. And Jason Hellerman, who is a screenwriter. He's in LA. He's uh, His movie Shovel Buddies was produced last year and available on iTunes. Uh, but he is an Eagles fan because he's from Philadelphia. So they're going to talk to you about their favorite teams, uh, their, their place in the sort of larger landscape of the NFL, as well as some of the social justice issues and health issues and all of that surrounding the NFL, because it is an organization just covered in controversy all the time. So we have lots of interesting conversation headed your way through that. Uh, so that's about it. Uh, hope you enjoy the podcast and I'll catch you on the, oh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at my end world. We're also on Instagram now, also my end world, my ENT world and check out the website, myentertainmentworld.ca. subscribe to the podcast, rate and review all that good stuff. And I'll see you on the other side. Bye guys. Okay. So we're here with a great panel of football, super fan, non-experts, uh, they're all artists, which I'm very excited about because that's who I like to talk to. So we're going to go around the horn. Everybody's going to introduce themselves. We're going to start with a Toronto-based singer and actor, one of the best singers in town, uh, David Michael Moot. Hi there. Yeah, David Michael Moot. You can find me at uh, David Michael Moot on uh, Instagram and at Dave Moot on Twitter. Um, yeah, love football ever since I started playing in high school. And um, yeah, I couldn't play in my in my last year. Um, I might have gone on in uh, university and stuff like that, but I fractured my all playing rugby but uh i've been a big fan ever oh, since so <laughs> that's brutal you fractured your skull i did yeah i did yeah oh my god that's intense um our second person is an actress and her name is melissa mcveigh hi kelly thanks for having me um i am seattle well i'm boston based but i've lived here for 10 years but i am a seattle fan um go hawks i'm on instagram melissa explains and at melissa explains on twitter uh, although i don't really tweet but i started instagramming again um my one of my favorite football memories goes back to super bowl 40 in 2006 five i don't know it's 2000 i was it was end, end of high school i was auditioning for colleges so i was i was in new york city for the first time with a couple of my best friends and they were also diehard Seahawks fans. Um, we just grew up with it, but our team had not gone to the Super Bowl in my lifetime, if ever. I don't, I'm not, I'm not good with football history either, but we were watching it and um, it was a blast and it was heartbreaking. And then um, I went to audition at Boston University a couple days later and um, somebody wearing a Steelers jersey just like almost broke me down crying. Um, but I ended up at BU and here I am in Boston hating the Patriots 10 years later. <laughs> and joining you in your hatred of the Patriots, we have screenwriter Jason Hellerman. 
Hey, I hate the Patriots. How's it going? <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at Jason Hellerman and on Instagram at pictures underscore and underscore Roosevelt, which is an Instagram handle I share with my dog. <laughs> and some would say uh, he's the predominantly worth it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I'm a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. I will never forgive the Patriots for beating us in the Super Bowl, and I will never forgive the Patriots in general. Oh, dear. So we were supposed to have a Patriots fan with us, but he had technical problems at the last minute. So uh, he was out. We're going to try. And uh, maybe, David, this will be your job where you're going to have someone has to be not totally anti patriot Yeah, no, I'm just a general fan all around. Um, Yeah, no real loyalties, but I'll stick up for them for sure. Great. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to a, a Patriot-specific conversation in a little bit. But before we talk about the Super Bowl and its fallout, what were the ta- your general takeaways from the 2016 season in general and specifically from the perspective of your favorite team? Anyone? <laughs> uh, I'll go, I, I can start. I think for me, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are like an up-and-down team, right? I was born in 1987. Randall Cunningham was our quarterback. Uh, and then, you know, we had like a period where Don McNabb was the quarterback for most of my life, right? 12 years, almost 13 years. Uh, and now we're in rebuilding mode. So for me, like the 2016 season was a brand new head coach and a brand new quarterback trying to learn how to make it in the NFL. It's like for the first time in a long time, I knew my team was going to be bad, but I was also excited about it, which I think is like an interesting juxtaposition. Um, so it was a lot of like the learning curve of like, who's going to be on this team next year, uh, and knowing, hey, look, they're probably not going to get to the playoffs, but uh, it's really fun to say I was there when uh, all these guys got their start. So I think that's like an exciting thing and fitting into the NFL as a whole. I also think the game is changing so much. We know so much about injuries and now like suspensions are changing uh, and the way players play. And we're going to see like a whole new National Football League coming forward. And I think that's like, excitement and we're all here at the beginning of like what this consciousness is. Melissa, what about you? Sure. So for the, for the Seahawks, this was obviously a tough year. Um, we coming off of a heartbreaking Super Bowl loss, wanted to to have a really great team, take it all back, and crush the Patriots at every every turn. I think we might have beaten them in one game, but as I said, stats are not my thing. However, uh, Russell Wilson had an awesome awesome year even though he like basically broke both his legs he was my my favorite I think my favorite quote from the season was um I'm going back a few seasons actually was like whenever an announcer would see Russell Wilson playing because he's good at running he's good at throwing the ball so they were like oh he's playing with his arms and his legs and then we, we watching him this year he basically had no legs we're just like so he's uh he's playing with his arms and he's still killing it um, so Russell, I mean, Russell's my favorite player and he's, he's my boyfriend and we go way back. Um, he just got married. He's having a baby. Drama is actually my favorite part of, of, uh, football, not to be the token girl in the room, but I love the drama. I mean, that's, I started watching ballers TV show this year. I've really gotten into how that all works, but I also started learning more this year about how football works and sort of watching more games and this is the first year i'll be doing a fantasy football league so the, the the game is growing on me it was a heartbreaking uh piece of information to find out i couldn't staff my entire fantasy team with seahawks so i had to do some reading before our draft last week but i'm really looking forward to it so who's on your who's on your fantasy team well i have doug baldwin 
Oh, that's a good wide receiver. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm expecting him to perform well. My other Seahawk is Jimmy Graham. And then um, my top quarterback is Cam Newton, who I think is awesome. Number 12 is the fan. So I just don't even – and Tom Brady's like 96 years old. What else can he do? <laughs> Want another Super Bowl? Fine. I mean, he looks great. I mean, maybe we should try his like no nightshades diet or something. He looks like cleaning up in this vegan thing. I feel like all these other players have decided to go vegan too, and I'm over here like I thought we were eating meat. Like I thought this is a thing. That was the thing, though. How do they maintain that body weight on a vegan diet? Like that's protein shakes. Yeah, I guess a lot of pea protein, probably. I've got. I do have somebody from New England. I have Danny Amendola. I wasn't very uh, good at this. I'm going to lose, but I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> well, I loved what you said about this idea of the drama and the stories uh, and, and talking about ballers, because certainly for me, that's like my major association with football. I don't actually pay that much attention to football, which is why I gathered you guys together to talk about it. But my big in is that it's I find that it's the most valuable for storytelling of all of the sports because it's got everybody's got a very specific role on the team and the dynamics are really interesting. Um, what are some of your favorite narratives about football that are out there in pop culture? Because this is technically a pop culture site. Um, well, to, to kick it off, I was been thinking when I was thinking about doing this podcast and talking to a bunch of artists about football be they true diehard football fans too. Um, it, it always, it comes down to, it's a war game for me. And I was thinking like, why do I love the Seahawks so much? Like it, this, it's my house and you are loyal to your house. Um, <laughs> so I was getting kind of game of Thrones about it recently. Cause it really, and that's what it, that's the purpose I think football serves in our culture is to be able to like, like experience like rooting for your side. And we, as a society, really need to move past violence being uh, really a part of part of problem solving. But we still are cavemen, and I mean, I have problems with football too. I mean, the more we learn about the injuries, and the more we learn about what it really does to people, I, it shouldn't even be a sport. But <laughs> I still love watching it, and so that's it's that's a conflict. And David, as someone who played, how do you feel about that perspective? Um. Yeah. No, I always loved it. I think that's that's a big reason. Um. Well, I played. I just I played every contact sport I could um, in high school, and it's uh, it's yeah, the only reason, only time where you can you know legally go out and hit someone as hard as you as hard as you possibly can, and uh, it's actually encouraged. So um, yeah, no, I'm I'm all for it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Football is definitely like a tribalistic thing. I mean, for me, it's like uh, I was born and raised in a suburb of Philadelphia. Like being a fan of the Eagles felt like a birthright. It's something I can remember is like one of the earliest memories doing with my family like not just my dad but like my grandparents coming over my uncles um, even my aunts you know like everyone sitting around and the better my team doing like the bigger the family gatherings to watch it have been uh, and some of like my best childhood memories and worst you know are built around the team's wins and losses uh, I think it is important look we're at like this weird crossroads in America recently where like everyone's picking sides and I think like, if you want to know like where the root of that is it's like rooting for your home team and rooting for sports and I I do think, like, win or lose, I'm always a diehard Eagles fan. I've lived in, you know, like, four different cities at this point, but I always kind of trace it back to, like, this is my team. This is where I'm from. This is what keeps me grounded. Uh, and, like, watching stuff like Silver Linings Playbook, you know, like, which is, like, a movie that predominantly is about the Philadelphia Eagles, it's, like, 
kind of getting to see your family members at, you know, like on the big screen and being like, oh, my dad does that De Niro thing. Oh, we also do the lucky chair thing. Like, don't leave your seat if we're winning, you know, things that I think are like universal superstitions, but also like it's fun to see play out in media and, and also be like respected, uh, which I think is always good. Um, and you guys brought up a little bit this idea of the head trauma controversy that's following football around. And Jason, you referred to the sort of state of politics and uh, activism and things like that in America, which are uh, do a lot to Colin Kaepernick and his protests are tied very much into football and its narrative right now. What's the state of the sport and sort of the larger national consciousness in terms of its controversies and its contributions? I think, like, just speak again for myself, like, so millions of people watch football every week, right? Like actually hundreds of millions. Uh, so it, it, I always think it's a good forum for athletes to get their message out there. Uh, Colin Kaepernick certainly started a movement. You know, he was the first to take a knee, but he certainly is not the last. And if you look at the preseason of this year's NFL, yeah, you're seeing players from almost every team. I think, you know, like a good two thirds of teams kneeling or raising their fists or locking arms, finding some way to bring attention to things. So like in terms of that, I, I think there's two schools of thought, right? There's some people who think athletes should shut up and play football. And some people who think, look, if you're given an opportunity to take a stand and a national format to, you know, expunge the, you know, like uh, espoused views, like you should do it. Uh, I personally think it's important for these athletes to stand for something more than just the team. Uh, because like at the end of the day, I think David said he's like a general NFL fan. And if a general fan gets access to knowledge that maybe they didn't know about, I think that's cool. But I also am here for the sport and know, like, look, some of these issues aren't going to be solved on the football field, but I do think it's important that the people uh, playing this game acknowledge that they're, when they leave the stadium and leave the stands, like, there are parts of America that maybe don't go the way they want. And some of their favorite players are, like, more likely to be hurt or injured by police officers in their hometown uh, just because of the color of their skin. Right? I think that's, like, uh, again, like, part of the, cultural lexicon that's hard to deal with for some people but like maybe a necessary thing to talk about yeah I, I agree wholeheartedly with that I think it's really fantastic the players that are taking a stand um the Seahawks last year did a thing where they were like drumming up all this drama around what they were going to do post you know the big to do around Kaepernick's taking a knee and then they all decided to just link arms and they said it was a you know joining each other in solidarity thing. and But I really was disappointed. I felt like they could have gone so much further and it kind of missed the point. Like, you need to take a knee. You can't stand for that um, with what's happening to so many people in America right now. Um, so I, I would like to see them go further. And I these guys are role models. I think people also need to understand that they're also just kids, most of them. They're, like, so young. Um, but they're also, they also have that platform and it's really powerful to see guys who can really do something with it. And I love all the community service that football players, um, get involved in as well, whether it's just for their reputation or whatever, like they're still making a difference. Like some of the camps going to children's hospitals, I think it's awesome. Yeah. I know a lot of them right now are, are getting behind the, the hurricane, um, in Houston. So I think that's, that's pretty yeah, one reason how they, they really get behind it and raising a lot of money for that. But, um, yeah, it's interesting, especially you mentioned the head trauma and all the, all those, uh, everything that's going on. Um, I was just looking at all these uh, suspensions in the preseason. There's a lot like the Ezekiel Elliott thing, uh, domestic violence potentially. I know that I don't know what happened. I think that 
they've got solved out of court. But um, yeah, it's it's no longer really a, like able for these guys just to be just football players. I feel like, and especially if they're going to be on their Twitter and on all that stuff, um, they have to carry themselves in, in a certain way. And I think they're trying to to help them or to get them uh, to understand that. But um, yeah, there's it's it's hard just to be a football player now. You're sort of an icon and a role model, and um, yeah, it's it's changing the direction of that as well. I think. Yeah, 15 years ago, if you wanted to know what your favorite player was like, you'd have to like scour Sports Illustrated or the newspaper to see if there was ever an interview with them. And now I can like I can go to Carson Wentz's Twitter and learn immediately. He's a you know a devout Christian and an avid hunter, and like these are his favorite songs and music. And I can literally look at his Spotify to see what he's doing. You know, it's like the uh, the era of like the football player being far removed is or really the athlete in general is completely gone right there's no mystery left with these guys so i also think like of course there's going to be no mystery wrapped into their politics as well and uh, the nfl or anyone supposing that they should just show up and not do anything uh, certainly doesn't understand the way media is moving these days and the fact that the fans don't want that wall up anymore it's like they want to know what these people are doing outside um, because they are you know of course celebrities and this is like, a, you know, like we live in a celebrity obsessed culture. So. Um, and David, you brought up the preseason to sort of get back onto the actual game of it all. Yeah. Does anyone follow the preseason very closely? What's been happening? <laughs> I can't watch it because I don't live in the uh, in the network for it. So it sucks. Oh, no. but I, I definitely family. follow I definitely follow the preseason um, and maybe it's just because the Eagles are rebuilding. So like these are games where a lot of guys that are playing are trying for a roster spot. So I'd like to know like, Hey, like last year, the big story out of preseason, at least for the Eagles is this guy named Paul Turner, who was a wide receiver who like everybody desperately wanted to make the team. Uh, he didn't make the team. He made the practice squad, which means he's like available to be called up. He got called up last year and had a good end of the season. And this year he got cut, which is like, you know, like all this hullabaloo over nothing. But, you know, the preseason, I I think four games is ridiculous. It's, like, probably too much practice that these guys, like, don't need. It's also too much of a risk of injury. Like, if you look at, unfortunately for the Patriots, right, Julian Edelman, who's their number one wide receiver, went down with a knee injury. He's now out for the season playing in a game that doesn't mean anything, where even the stats you rack up don't compile to your overall case for the Hall of Fame, so it's really worthless. Uh, And even the number one wide receiver on the Bears, Cameron Meredith, same thing, knee, knee issue that happened in the preseason. It's like, these games do matter for the guys who are trying to make the team, um, but for the stars, like all you want to see is your guys go out, have pretty productive offensive and defensive series, and then get off the field without anyone getting hurt. Because at the end of the day, like my happiness uh, over the next 17 weeks is directly rooted to whether or not the Philadelphia Eagles win or lose. And I'd rather have these stars on the field trying to win than know that I'm in for a whole bunch of sadness uh, <laughs> if someone goes down. Well, what are some of the major injury reports, uh, cuts, trades, that sort of thing, personnel changes that we're looking at going into the main regular season here? Yeah, I, I, I'll just jump on that. I'm, I'm stoked to see how Adrian Peterson and uh, and Marshawn Lynch do in their new teams in, in Oakland and uh, in New Orleans. Uh, Adrian Peterson is in New Orleans and then uh, uh, Marshawn Lynch is in Oakland, I believe. Um, yeah, I'm just stoked for those storylines and to see uh, see how that all plays out. Yeah, Brandon Cooks just signed. uh, He was on the Saints last year and is now playing for the Patriots, like an already dominant 
Patriots offense got arguably one of the better wide receiver free agents um, to fit perfectly into the schemes. Just another person for Tom, Bla- Tom Brady to throw touchdowns to. Uh, and I think like the Marshawn Lynch story is also kind of touching because he was out of football last year, didn't play for the Seahawks, and came back to play for his hometown, Oakland Raiders, before they moved to Las Vegas. So like that's like a really interesting, I think, emotional story that plays into both like the heart and drama of football and also like um, the excitingness. So. Marshawn's believe- also on my fantasy team, so I'm rooting for it. You're getting Seahawk adjacent players, too. <laughs> I am. I'm, I, sn- I snuck them all in there. I can't wait to see him play the Seahawks, though. That's going to be amazing. I always wonder if he, it came up a lot in the Seahawks locker room, the fact that he didn't get the ball in that Super Super Bowl loss. The general consensus the seems to be... The world will never know. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that was maybe a conversation that was had. I'm sure. I'm sure. I wonder how he feels about it, actually, because obviously he never talks about anything. Yeah, Uh, I definitely feel like the reports last year were that it was like one of the number one divisive things in that locker room. Yeah, that was the the handoff. And it's like why some players left. And and, uh, yeah, I always think Carroll stood by it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that that had something to do with players not wanting to. That's interesting. Um, little fun fact about Marshawn Lynch, though. He was on an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine where one of the lead characters is, like, so psyched to meet him because he's her hero for, like, never talking to the media. And then she gets him in a room. And he's a witness to a crime, and she interviews him, and he just won't shut up. And he just talks about the most random stuff. It's awesome. Highly recommend <laughs> for Marshawn fans. Yeah, there there have been some pretty good uh, NFL cameos on television. Although I gotta say, no one will ever sink lower than the Gronk Big Brother appearance. That was pretty. pretty uh-huh. awesome. <laughs> Gronk uh, can't just a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking Gronk of- can't stay healthy enough. He can't stay healthy to stay on the field. So he's got to figure out a way to like make money off the field. That's my theory. Yeah, that's true. He's got to. He's got to. Uh, cash in on the nickname and the notoriety because he's not making it with football anymore but speaking of the pats they've come up a bunch of times let's just dive in i'm sorry our pats fan isn't here but we're gonna make it work david's gonna stand up for them so football is a salary cap sport so this isn't a yankee situation can you explain to me what's keeping this dynasty alive at like with such a giant margin between them and second place basically and can they keep it going I mean, they have the greatest coach in football, maybe of all time, and the greatest quarterback in football, maybe of all time. Uh, You know, like with Aaron Rodgers, maybe being a toss up in terms of pure talent without the talent around him. So it's like, I can't believe they've been this good for this long, but it's also like the pieces they lose. Like they've always had a high powered offense. It's like a very attractive place for free agents to go. It's an attractive place for them to retain players because of the amount you win. So like, I feel like those are like the number one contributions, but also like Bill Belichick has an unparalleled football mind. Right. But almost like be- winning begets winning. Exactly. David, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I am yeah, most impressed uh, with, I mean, we just with those two cogs in place, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I mean, uh, I think if he, if he does get another Super Bowl this year, or he, he probably is already the greatest of all time. And I'm just so curious to see um, what that is going to look like. Uh, you know, if he can build on this legacy as well, but uh, it's just their defense that, um, that, you know, year after year and they say defense, you know, wins championships, a lot of people and that, and that they can do that too. It's, it's, it's an impressive organization. So if the Pats were to fall apart, is there a team that you think is sort of the heir to the throne? Hmm. 
football has always like prided itself on parity. It's not like the NBA where like you're kind of looking to where LeBron will land for who's going to be the next winning team. There's not what one. There's not one football player like Tom Brady being maybe the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time. He couldn't go to the Browns and turn them around. He could maybe get them one or two more wins, but like because it is such a team sport. So I think like I don't see any other dynasties ready to take over. But if you look at teams with younger quarterbacks like the Raiders. Uh, like I'm trying to even think who else is like a like Seattle, like places that have a young core that are ready to strike or a place like Green Bay where like Aaron Rodgers is constantly on the cusp. Uh, like those are teams you could see like playing or repeating, but nothing like the unparalleled success we've seen from the Patriots, which is, you know, like the grossest taste in my mouth to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, just gonna, I'm definitely going to give a shout out to Green Bay there for sure and see yeah, if Aaron Rodgers could, could get one and if they can get it going there for – I'd say that's my that's my best bet. Well, and to get into the controversy around the Patriots a little bit, is a lot of the animosity mostly about the fact that they beat your teams all the time, or is it the Deflate Gate? Like, what what is where is the animosity coming from? They're just really fun to hate. Um, I have some issues with Tom Brady. Like, I think he's a little too cozy with Trump and stuff like that. But, like, also, Bill Belichick just, like, looks like Senator Palpatine, and he's always so mad, you know? And and they're they're on top, and, like, I, I grew up with losing teams, and, you know, you just keep on going, and they're, they're like, the 1% to me or something. Like, I don't know. Right, so it's sort of just that they're on top, so you want to you want to vilify the person who's running. Them, them. Yeah, uh, I would say like sure, that's like fifty percent of it for me. But the other fifty percent is how unapologetic they are when they get caught doing the wrong thing all the time, right? So in like two thousand four, when they played the Eagles in the Super Bowl, the very next year we found out oh they were videotaping people at halftime and, and videotaping practices. And uh, there was a lot of like retroactive controversy in Philadelphia because the Eagles were a better team in the first half of that Super Bowl, and they were leading at the halftime. And then the Patriots kind of came out, and suddenly, you know, like they were calling out the Eagles' signals and knew what was happening. And a lot of people think that's because the Patriots used the first half of that game to videotape the Eagles' sidelines and then <laughs> broke down all the plays. And like again, that's like a conspiracy theory, but one that the very next year the Patriots got in trouble for doing. Uh, so like part of my animosity strikes from there and, and they didn't apologize for it. They got fined, whatever. And then 10 years later, I get that they were beating the Colts in the playoffs by a lot, but to then have to test the balls and find out they're deflated and then find all these text messages from the athletic team calling Tom Brady, the deflator and like knowingly and willingly doing this Tom Brady standing up and be like, Oh, I didn't do anything wrong. I never did. Even when there's like an abundance of evidence that he absolutely did. And even though as maybe the greatest quarterback of all time, he didn't even need to do it. There's sort of this like weird culture of winning there that I, uh, and maybe it is like, maybe it is like built in animosity. Like if my team was doing it, I'm sure I'd be like fervently against it, but it always feels like, they're winning and they're they're willing to do anything to win, even if it's like a little bit distasteful. Uh, and, and that's like easy. It's easy to hate. Yeah. I'm just say it's probably like the hordes of fans too. There's just too many of them and obnoxious and and uh, and they they've had it good for too long and they 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 don't know they know what it feels like to have their team losing forever. So. Yeah. 
All right. So we're going to dive in a little bit into more specifics of the state of the Seahawks and the state of the Eagles. But first, I want to find out, David, how do you, as a general football fan, how do you decide what game you're going to watch? Um, you know, I like the Red Zone channel, uh, to be honest. Uh, just jump, jump around and uh, get to see the action. And uh, that, yeah, that, to be honest, that's usually what I watch. Are there any particular players you're invested in or anyone you're looking, any matchups you're interested in seeing this season? Um, yeah, for me, again, it's, it's that, that first week uh, matchup, Adrian Peterson, uh, New Orleans going back to uh, Minnesota. I think in week one, that's probably a game I would watch uh, the whole thing for just to see. Um, and yeah, other than that, and, and basically uh, I'm always going over to my friend's places and watching it. So, uh, and uh, I usually get told that they, they usually take control of the clickers there. So uh, yeah. <laughs> Who's, which team, I guess, other than the Patriots, which team has the most obnoxious fans? <laughs> Green Bay? Green Bay? Oh, <laughs> Dallas. Dallas. Oh, yeah, yeah, Dallas. <laughs> All right, Jason and Melissa, uh, let's start with Jason. Tell us about the oh, Eagles this year. Uh, the Eagles this year are an exciting team to watch, right? Last year we were at the bottom of the division, 7-9, and nine, but we had a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach and a lot of young talent starting on offense and defense. And this year is a completely revamped Eagles team. Carson Wentz is entering his second year uh, as the Eagles quarterback, and like, hopes are high. Everybody thinks he could be the uh, second coming of Brett Favre or at least the second coming of Donovan McNabb, right? He can make plays with his legs. He has an incredibly powerful arm, and he spent all offseason working on his accuracy, so everybody's pretty excited to see what happens. The Eagles also added a completely brand-new wide receiving core. The only person who came back is Nelson Aguilar, who is sort of the brunt of many jokes last year. He had the highest drop rate in all of the NFL, uh, but uh, we couldn't trade him for that reason, so he's back. Uh, but along with him, it's like Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith, guys we're really excited about, and this like giant kid they drafted named Mac Hollins, who's like 6'6 and super long, um, who had like a really big preseason, which was fun to watch. Like right now, like the defense is a little up in the air. We lost a fan favorite, Jordan Matthews, as a wide receiver. We traded him to the Bills for a cornerback, which we like desperately needed, and Ronald Darby, who had a good preseason. But again, none of that matters until week one. Uh, and we're in maybe arguably the most competitive division in all of football, the NFC East. So it's the Eagles, the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Redskins. Uh, it's always a competitive division every year, but three or four years ago, it was filled with really bad teams. And now kind of hearkening back to the heyday of the early two thousands and late eighties, it's full of very good teams. So it'll be interesting to see like what plays out. And the first week of the season, we're playing Washington and uh, Dallas and the giants are playing each other. So we're going to know who's sitting at the top of that division week one. And then it's going to be like a full on you know, battle uh, for the next 17 weeks as to like, who's going to be where, uh, and that makes me like excited and hopeful. And uh, I haven't had a solid quarterback since 2010, Donovan McNabb. So it's going to be interesting to see a quarterback playing in the second year with a second year head coach and a team that has a lot of swagger and feels like it has to prove something. Uh, and that's really what Philadelphia is all about. Like being an underdog, being angry about being the underdog and <laughs> wanting to, sh wanting to shut big market teams up. Um, so, you know, I'll be up early in the morning next Sunday, uh, pacing and ready and wearing my football jersey. And you better believe my dog has one. He'll be wearing his too. So <laughs> I like it. <laughs> okay. Melissa, tell us about the Seahawks. <laughs> All right. Well, I've been loving the, the language and the history here is really amazing. And unfortunately won't be able to provide as much detail on the dynasty of Seattle. I mean, I think we, we have a really young team and, 
I've really gotten to know them since this team got put in place. I think Russell Wilson gets better every year. I think Doug Baldwin gets better every year. Um, we traded Jermaine Curse to God knows where, but I will miss him. Um, there's still a lot of good guys. I think we have a little more depth than we had last year, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, what it comes down to for me is that the, the motto of Seattle is love our brother, whereas the Patriots' motto is do your job, and I think that really says it all. Um, didn't, didn't think about when we were slamming the Patriots earlier, but I'll just put one in there. Maybe I protest too much. Always, always open for Patriots. Always open. Good, good, good. Um, yeah, I mean, I think our, our defense remains really strong and, um, I can't wait to see what we do. Um, divisions still confuse me. I don't know why, <laughs> but I'm looking, I'm looking forward to the game. Uh, we're playing Saturday. Sunday. I don't even know where we're playing. I just looked it up, but I'm looking forward to the game and I will be wearing my Jersey as well. Um, and my Seahawks socks. So <laughs> All right, so guys, if you had to, you know, gun to your head, who's in the Super Bowl this year? Uh, I would say, yeah, right. <laughs> well, how big is this <laughs> bill? Yeah, it'll be, I think the Raiders versus Green Bay is my early pick. Oh yeah, uh, I do think the Seahawks. Yeah, you like that? Yeah, I, like I that. do think the Seahawks have a good shot. Uh, they definitely are still good on defense, and this is probably the last year the Seahawks are going to be able to keep that whole defense together because contracts are coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's like, but I do think the Raiders are peaking at the right time. They have one of the most electric and exciting offenses in football. Um, and Aaron Rodgers of green Bay, you know, he's angry about last year. I, I can, he's one of the more competitive guys. And I don't think there's a better pure passer in the NFL um, maybe ever. So it'll be interesting to see with green Bay has like a revamped D, which is kind of what kept them out of it last year. Uh, and a healthy Jordy Nelson and a healthy offense to see where they're coming from this year. Um, I do think they'll be a force to reckon with. And I'm not picking against the Patriots because I hate them. I'm picking against them because uh, injuries have held them back in the past. I think a 40-year-old Tom Brady, vegan or not, is uh, one you know one big hit away. Uh, and I, I do think losing Julian Edelman it will be felt. And I, I just don't see Brandon Cooks and Danny Amendola being able to carry all of that weight uh, on their own. But we'll see. David or Melissa? Yeah, I'll jump in there. I mean, I, that was a heartbreaking loss for Atlanta last year. I know they're, they're, a lot of people think they're not the team uh, they, this year that they were last year, but I'd like to see them back. And then uh, I'll throw uh, I'll throw Pittsburgh in there. Atlanta-Pittsburgh might be interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that's a good game. I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, is, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a big boy, and um, I think he, he's a great leader of that team. And so, yeah, that, that's my matchup. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I – don't know anything about any other teams besides the Hawks, so I can't really put anything out there that's informed. But I like this Raiders Green Bay idea. I, I would love to see my boys go to the Super Bowl. I think it should be a fun ride. It should be a good year. Yeah, I mean, a Seattle Patriots rematch is not out of the question. You know, like you would not be a foolhardy bet. I think it's like an ex- also an exciting storyline if they could all get back there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be interesting. Pittsburgh, there's a lot of rumors that Ben Roethlisberger might retire after this year. So I do think you're going to see him like putting it all out there and, and laying it on the line. Pittsburgh also has one of, if not the best offenses in the NFL, again, next to the Raiders. Um, just seeing the, the idea that the Raiders could play the, could play the Steelers in the playoffs um, is awesome. I think that having two teams with three marquee wide receivers each and great running backs uh, you know, like that's like a scoring title dream. 
Can I just throw in really quick my favorite uh, ranking listicle I've ever seen on football? Actually just took all of the players and ranked them from worst to best butts. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Who has the best butt? Yeah. There's something you got to know about football. It's pretty important. Oh, you know what? I don't remember who was who won. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look like logistically at the sport, this makes sense. It's like a thing that comes up in football. There's a lot of crouching. It's you a know really I mean. important strength area. Yeah. I mean, and to to ask you a, a similarly important question. Um, the spring season of Dancing with the Stars always, always has NFL players because it's their off season. Last year, it was won by Rashad Jennings. He took home the mirror ball. We've seen Antonio Brown. We've seen Von Miller. We've seen Megatron. Who do you think in the NFL who has not yet competed on Dancing with the Stars would be the best Dancing with the Stars competitor? I'll say Julio oh Jones from the Atlanta Falcons. That guy's got, oh, that yeah, guy's got moves for days. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go Antonio Brown. He's uh, already Steelers been on are, it. He's already, has he? Okay, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He partnered Shauna Burgess. He was delightful. Yeah. He made it like to top yeah. six or something, top five. He's All right, great. then I'll go Odell Beckham Jr. Um, because that guy also likes to dance. <laughs> I think I would, I would throw in Michael Bennett. He's oh, got that's a pretty, pretty good dancer. He, he would be a little bit of a, a wild card. I'd like to see an offensive lineman. Like I'm, yeah, I'm sick of that. Like every time they get an yeah. athlete for Dancing with the Stars, and again, my Dancing with the Stars knowledge are very limited. But I feel like it's like it's a guy who's known for like dancing in the end zone. Like I'd like to see them do like Jason Kelsey, the center of the Eagles, who has like a giant beard and looks like uh, Tormund on Game of Thrones. Like I'd like to see that guy do Dance with the Stars. They have pretty killer butts too. Yeah, <laughs> right. There you go. Yeah, and. Uh, Good butt endorsement. So there you are. Yeah. Well, I will say Von Miller was gigantic. That. He had a tiny, tiny little partner, and it was pretty funny to watch him try. He was very much a football player in the sort of gigantic sense. Um, but I, I choose which team I'm rooting for based on who did very well on Dancing with the Stars last season. So this year, I'm rooting for Rashad Jennings, whichever team he plays for. I don't know anything about football. Is he even? Did he retire? Did he, he did not or retire. Did he retire? Did he retire? I don't think he retired. He's on the Giants. He's on the Giants. Everybody. Okay. Oh, so he's gonna lose. Oh well. <laughs> but that'll be fun. <laughs> yes. The so Giants anyone... are good this year. The Giants are like a dark horse. Uh... Yeah. Ooh. I don't know. I right. think the dark horse NFC East team. We'll see. <laughs> so oh, I think he's unsigned. I'm wrong. Yeah, he's unsigned. Free agent, yeah. Yeah. Rashad, Rashad Jennings is doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got that mirror ball at home that he can gaze at lovingly. Yeah, um, he's just dancing. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you need to do you just need to dance that's where happiness lies do you watch a lot of football kelly no not at all i literally i literally watch uh and last year i was cheering for antonio brown because he was on dance with the stars like i don't i watch friday night lights does that count friday night lights is awesome yeah that's one of the dramas we should have talked a little bit more about that yeah yeah Yeah. there's there are tons of narratives about football It's, it's a really rich uh, storytelling ground. Does anyone have any other things they want to say about the NFL and football in general before we wrap up? I love football in general. I think here's the thing. Uh, baseball has always been labeled America's game, right? And, and part of that is because it's the oldest and there were traveling teams and, and then teams that settled in cities and brought everyone together. But I think you want to look at singularly what Americans do on Sundays now, you know, like 70 million people sit in front of their televisions and watch football. 
And as I mentioned earlier, I do think it's something people come together on. Uh, I think it's easier for people to come together on it than baseball because instead of having 162 games, you have 16 that you have to be there for um, it, and that are scheduled that, you know, like are happening on a Sunday afternoon when people are off work and things like that. Uh, I think look, football's undergoing a lot of stuff this year. They have to get a grip on their domestic violence issue. Uh, it's something that's out of control and, and something that I wish Roger Goodell would uh, look into more and also like, have solid rules about uh, CTE is like a major scandal that's still unraveling. And we're going to learn a lot more about where football is going in the future as a sport. Because uh, if, um, if they can't get this problem under control, uh, there's going to be a lot more issues. And look, they already have uh, an opioid epidemic in the NFL and they're going to need a more solid ruling on marijuana as more and more States legalize it. But with all that being said, I think football is America's game. I, I think it's something that uh, poor people can play and rich people can play. I do think it like, brings the masses together. And I also think, uh, like most sports, what's cool is you can get Carson Wentz again. I'll just use the Philadelphia Eagles, who's like a North Dakota hunter who is like a super country guy, and he plays the exact same sport in the exact same position as guys who are completely different than it, you know, as people who had different upbringings or, or a different life, you know, and he can bond with players on his team that maybe aren't from the nicest areas that are from the inner city or like that played football to get out of, you know, where they're from. Uh, and I think all that's interesting and engaging and the future of the NFL lies within the players and letting these players have voices, keeping them safe and making sure they have long careers. So I do think the reason we consider Tom Brady, the greatest of all time is that he's going to last, you know, 15 plus years in the NFL. And if he had only played 10 or let's say he only played eight because of concussions, uh, you know, he we would only have seen three, maybe top Super Bowls from him. Um, you wouldn't get these storied careers. So like the NFL is in charge of its own fate, right? Roger Goodell made a promise when he took over the league. He was going to take it from a $8 billion team or $8 billion sport to a $25 billion sport. Uh, right now they're hovering around 15. So they're like on track for it. And I think like, the only way the NFL gets bigger is if it starts respecting its players, what they stand for, um, but also like rooting out the issues and the problems they have as they come forward, both health and behavioral related. Yeah, well said. I'll piggyback on that. Yeah, to me, the most interesting is the CTE, is the concussion thing. Um, it's it's such a grind to become a professional football player. Like these these guys play from you know young age all the way through like even three years of playing high school football with me. There was you know knee injuries, ankle injuries. I didn't fracture my skull playing football, but rugby. And I know like uh, just these. And then after going four years and maybe five years in high school, and then two or three years in college, and then to start as a rookie in the NFL, like that's. The, the, the amount that can happen to your body just in that time before you even become a professional is uh, is a huge. And um, I, it's just kind of shocking that uh, everything – I know this is new research about the CT and stuff like that, but, I mean, it's kind of like uh, – did anybody know that smoking cigarettes back in the day was bad for you? I mean, if you're hacking up, like, you know, huge – lung like ever the grossness all the time like i'm sure you think it's probably not good for you and i think it's sort of the similar with concussions like over and over again getting knocked out you have to think like this is probably not good for me it's gonna gonna screw me up but um yeah it'll just be interesting how they handle that and maybe that's uh, an equipment thing or maybe that's just more uh form tackling and, and how they can go about that but the nature of the game is so fast and these guys are so strong that i i don't really you like avoiding headshots like totally maybe not targeting the head but i don't think you can take it right out of the game much as they're playing it right now but um yeah it'll just be interesting to see where they where they move from that and uh, and how they navigate that going forward um 
because I believe that guys are still going to want to play football. It's uh, but um, maybe they just have to. <laughs> If you sign your life away before you make a contract or something, I don't know, but we'll, we'll better, see. Better helmets. Yeah, I think like the solutions to these problems are better helmets and more science, right? Like, unfortunately, the NFL back in the day steered science away from CTE because they were afraid of how it would negatively impact their sport, and now they should be leaning into it, no pun intended, uh, and researching it, finding ways to protect players, whether it's like adding a neck brace to the mandatory padding or finding a new design for helmets. Like last year, we were able to cut down CTEs just by, like CTE scares and concussion playing just by having a rule where the refs have to talk to the guy hitting the head and make sure he's okay and having independent medical staff there saying if he can or can't go back in the game and adding a looser collapsible part of the top of the helmet so the helmet can crush in and uh, the like problem the like hit isn't absorbed by your head it's absorbed by the helmet which is why it's there these are all things we learned within only a couple years of researching this stuff so it's going to be like more we learn in in the future i also think a big thing the nfl has to do is raise the salary cap right you're looking at guys in the nba making tens of millions of dollars and the the nba is like around an eight billion dollar league like if you're playing the NBA for two or three years, you're kind of set and you can move on with your life. If you don't get signed, the average NFL player is only in the league for under three years. Uh, and if they have to carry those injuries with them later, that's a pretty horrific prospect. So if, well, a way to pay these guys more would be great. Um, you know, like improve, improving uh, relations to the NFL players association, I think like the big thing I worry about is in 2020, the players are eligible for another strike and the NFL really can't afford to lose a season. And neither can I, because every season is a season. The Eagles can win a Super Bowl, and it's all I've ever wanted. And they never have done it. So uh, it's getting all their getting their act together in these things and actually like facing up the issues and not kind of looking passive to the revenue stream. Uh, I think it's going to be important to keep these players healthy, but also pay them more uh, for the risk they're taking for us which I guess sounds like really shitty and, and privileged from the couch, but I also think uh, is part of why we love sports and, and what we want them out there doing. So. Certainly post-career care, I think, it would, is really the linchpin here, I think. I think taking care of them after they leave the league is something that the NFL needs to take a bit more responsibility for and whether that can be achieved by paying them more while they're actually in the game. Maybe, maybe not. But certainly some sort of more retirement healthcare situation would be helpful because these guys just get left out on their own. And that's why we're seeing so many tragedies many years after they've been forgotten from the game, really. Definitely. I mean, the it's that's up to the Players Association, the pension fund and the NFL in general to add active care into the end of their lives because they are spending a lot of money now getting veterans to help rookies. Um, but we really need vets for vets, stuff like that. You know, and we're going to find out a lot more again in the coming years. Um, whether the NFL is a sustainable commodity and or it's going to be like the sport that people used to play, which is like a sad thing to think about. Melissa, any wrap up thoughts? Well, I think that was all really, really well said. And I'm I'm grateful to kind of have a chance to talk to all you guys and get a little bit more into the story, the narrative of football, as you put it, Kelly. But I think I, I'm really grateful for having this game that brings us all together and um, getting a chance to, you know, like connect with my parents back home and, Sometimes if we can't get the game on TV out here, we will Skype them and have them point their computer at their TV. So it can be done and it brings us together across the nation. So I'm, I'm happy that we all got to, to get together this evening to talk about it too. Thank you all, all for joining us today. Does anybody have anything they want to plug? You want to remind us of your social media, any of that and final thoughts? 
I'll jump on that. Yeah, I'll plug. Uh, I, have, I have a band project coming on. It's a, it's a metal band called Operus, and we uh, have an album release. Uh, Cenotaph is the album, and it's October 14th at the Rivoli in Toronto, Ontario. Um, but I would love to have everybody out. And um, if not, uh, grab the album, Cenotaph by Operus. Awesome. Uh, you, can, you can rent my movie, Shovel Buddies, on iTunes. I think it's $7.99. It's about a kid uh, who passes away and wants to be buried in his Eagles jersey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it stars Bella Thorne, Kean Lolly, and, and a lot of other, like, a great cast. Uh, again, $7.99 on iTunes. Um, if you love it, tweet at me. If you hate it, uh, rent it again and try. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, guys. And hopefully we'll get to talk to you again maybe next year for the NFL. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thank you so much, everybody.